0: Chapter 20 of Freaks on the Fowls. Three Months Rustication. Story 1 by R. M. Ballantyne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway, England. Chapter 20 Mysterious Matters A Happy Return, etc the morning which followed the events narrated in the last chapter broke with unclouded splendour it was the second of the four bright days which relieved the monotony of those six dreary weeks of rain rejoicing in the glorious aspect of earth and sky and in the fresh scents which the rain had called forth from every shrub and flower on the mountains, Mr Sudbury dashed about the White House in and out, awaiting the assembling of the family to breakfast with great impatience. His coattails that morning proved the means of annihilating the sugar basin, the last of the set which had graced the board on his arrival in the highlands, and which had been left for some time past blooming alone, all its former companions having been shattered and gone long ago according to custom mr sudbury went forward to the barometrical banjo intending to tap it not that he expected correct information now no he had found out its falsehood and was prepared to smile at anything it should say he opened his eyes however and explained hello with unwanted energy on observing that as if in sheer defiance of the weather its index aimed point-blank at stormy he speedily discovered that this tremendous falsehood was the result of a careful intestine examination to which the instrument had been privately subjected by master jacky the evening before in the course of which examination the curious boy standing below the barometer did after much trouble manage to cut the bulb which held the mercury that volatile metal being set free at once leaped into its liberator's bosom and gushed down between his body and his clothes to the floor i'll thrash him too within an inch mr sudberry clinched his teeth and his fists and burst out of the room it was at this moment that the last of the set became faded and gone and rushed towards the nursery no i won't he muttered suddenly wheeling round on his heel and returning slowly to the parlour i'll say nothing whatever about it And mr Sudbury kept his word. Jackie never heard of it from that day to this. Seizing the opportunity of the fine day, mr Sudbury and George went out to fish. They fished with worm now, the stream's been too much swollen for fly. Meanwhile, master Jackie sauntered down alone in a most free-and-easy independent manner to visit old moggy who was thought to be in a dying state at least the doctor said so and it was to be presumed that he was right jacky had regularly constituted himself sick nurse to the old woman despite the entreaties of flora and his sister who feared that the disease might be infectious he could not be prevailed on to remain away his nursing did not indeed consist in doing much that was useful he confined himself chiefly to playing on the river-banks near the hut and to making occasional inquiries as to how the patient was getting on sometimes he also assisted flora in holding sundry cups and glasses and medicine bottles and when flora was away he amused himself by playing practical jokes on the young woman who had volunteered to act as regular nurse to the old invalid towards the afternoon jacky put his hands behind his back he could have put them under his coat-tails if he had had any for he was very old mannish in his tendencies and sauntered down the road towards the pass at the same time it chanced that another little boy more than twice jacky's age was walking smartly along the same road towards the same pass from the other side of it there were as yet several miles between the two boys but the pace at which the elder walked bid fair to bring them face to face within an hour the boy whom we now introduce was evidently a sailor he wore blue trousers a blue vest with little brass buttons a blue jacket with bigger brass buttons and a blue cap with a brass button on either side each brass button on coat cap and vest having an anchor of apparently burnished gold in the centre of it he had clear blue eyes brown curly hair and an easy off-hand swagger which last was the result of a seafaring life and example but he had a kindly and happy rather than a boastful or self-satisfied expression of face as he bowled along with his hands in his pockets kicking all the stones out of his way and whistling furiously sometimes he burst into a song and once or twice he laughed smote his thigh and cheered but never for a moment did he slacken his pace although he had walked many a mile that day Curiously enough, at the same time, a man was crouching behind some bushes, in the centre of the pass towards which these two boys were approaching. This man had a pair of grey eyes, which might have been beautiful had they not been small and ferocious-looking, and a nose which might have been aquiline had the bridge not been broken, and a head of shaggy hair which might have been elegant had it been combed, oiled, curled, and dyed and a general appearance which might have been prepossessing had it not been that of a thorough black god this lovely specimen of humanity sat down on a rock and waited and fidgeted and the expression of his sweet face betrayed from time to time that he was impatient and anything but easy in his mind as jack walked very leisurely and stopped frequently to play his progress towards the pass was slow and as our waiting friend whom the reader no doubt recognizes as the Gypsy, could not see far along the road in that direction he was not aware of his approach on the other hand the sailor boy came on fast and the road was so open and straight in that direction that the gipsy saw him it was far enough away to seem like a mere blue spot in the distance presently he gained the entrance to the pass and began the ascent which was gradual with a riotous windlass song in which the sentiments yo heave and ho were most frequently expressed as he drew near the gypsy might have been observed to grin a smile that would have been quite captivating but for some obstinate peculiarity "'about the muscles of the mouth, which rendered it very repulsive. "'Next moment the sailor-boy was abreast of him, "'the moment after the bushes parted, "'and the gypsy confronted his victim, "'cutting a tremendous heave, short in the middle, "'and converting the ho, that should have followed "'into a prolonged whistle of astonishment. "'Ha! my lad, you remember me, it seems. "'Remember you?' "'Yes, I just do,' answered the boy, in whose countenance every trace of boyishness was instantly swallowed up in an intense gaze of manly determination. This mute but meaning glance had such a strange effect upon the gypsy that he actually cowered for a moment and looked as if he were afraid he was going to catch it. However, he forced a laugh and said, "'Come, Billy, you needn't look so cross,' you know i was hard put to it when i sent you aboard the fair fancy and you shouldn't ought to owe me a grudge for putting ye in the way o making your fortune. the man kept edging towards the boy as he spoke but the boy observed us and kept edging away regarding the man with compressed lips and dilated eyes but not vouchsafing a word in reply i say billy it's unkind you know to forget old times like this I want to shake hands, and there's my old woman up on the hill, as wants to see you again. Suddenly the fierce look left the boy's face, and was replaced by a wild, waggish expression. Oh, your old woman wants to see me, does she? And you want to shake hands, do you? Now look here, growler, I see through you. You thought to catch a flat, and you'll find you've caught a tartar, or rather that your tartar's caught you but I've grown merciful since I went to sea. The lad tucked up his wristbands at this point, as if he really meditated a hand-to-hand encounter with his huge antagonist. I do remember old times, and I know how richly you deserve to be hanged, but I don't want to mix up my homecoming. I can help it with dirty work. Now, I'll tell you what. I'll give you your choice of two courses. Either take yourself off, and be out a hail of this part of the country within twelve hours or walk with me to the nearest police station and give yourself up there i'll give you exactly two minutes to think over it the youthful salt here pulled out an enormous double-case silver watch with an air of perfect nonchalance and awaited the result for a few seconds the gypsy was overwhelmed by the lad's coolness then he burst into a gruff laugh and rushed at him he might as well have run at a squirrel the boy sprang to one side crossed the road at a bound and still holding the watch said half a minute gone again the man rushed at his small opponent with similar result and a cool remark that another half minute was gone this so exasperated the Gypsy that he ran wildly after the boy for half a minute but the latter was as active as a kitten and could not be caught time's up two minutes and a quarter so don't say that i'm not merciful now follow me to the constable so saying billy as the man had called him turned his back towards the pass and ran off at full speed towards the village the gypsy followed him at once feeling that his only chance lay in capturing the boy but so artfully did billy hang back and allow his pursuer to come close up that he had almost succeeded in enticing him into the village when the man became suddenly aware of his folly and stopped billy stopped too what you're not game to come on the man shook his fist and turning his face towards the pass ran back towards his booth in the hills intending to take the boy's first piece of advice and quit that part of the country but billy had no idea of letting him off thus he now became the pursuer however fast the gypsy ran the sailor lad kept up with him if the man halted as he frequently did in a breathless condition and tried to gain over his adversary billy also stopped said he was in no hurry thrust his hands into his jacket pockets and began to whistle thus he kept him in view until they once more stood in the pass here the man sat down on a large stone thoroughly exhausted The boy sat down on another stone opposite to him, looking quite fresh and jolly. Five years of hearty devotion to a noble calling had prepared the muscles of the little sailor for that day's exercise. The same number of years spent in debauchery and crime had not prepared the vagabond giant for that day's work. "'What has brought you back?' said Growler savagely. "'To see the old granny whom you stole me from.' Replied the boy, also to have the satisfaction of putting you in limbo, although I did not expect to have this pleasure. Ha ha laughed Growler sarcastically. You'll fail in both. It's not so easy to put me in limbo as you think, and your grandmother is dying. That's false cried billy springing halfway across the road and shaking his little fist at his enemy you know it is the landlord of the blue boar told me he saw her at church strong and well last sunday she is staying however me be dead said the man with a sneer so full of triumph that it struck a chill to the heart of the poor boy just at that moment jacky Sudbury turned slowly round a sharp angle of the road and stood there transfixed with his eyes like two saucers and his mouth as round as an o the sight of this intruder distracted billy's attention for a moment growler at once bounded over the low wall and dived into the underwood billy hesitated to follow him for the last piece of information weighed heavily on his mind that moment's hesitation was sufficient for the gypsy to make good his retreat although billy leaped the wall the next moment and darted hither and thither through the copse, failed to catch sight of him again and finally turned to the road where he found jacky seated on a stone pondering in a state of bewilderment on what he had seen well my boy how goes it cried the sailor heartily as he came forward wiping his heated brow with a blue spotted cotton handkerchief all right was jacky's prompt reply i say was you fighting with that man Eh, hey, that was i and i've not done with him yet jacky breathed hard and looked upon the young sailor lad with a deep reverential awe feeling that he was in the presence of a real jack the giant killer You went away said jacky in amazement "'Did you hit him hard?' "'Not with my fists. "'They ain't big enough for that yet. "'We've only had a sparring match with words and legs.' "'Jackie glanced at Billy's legs "'as if he regarded them in the light of dire engines of destruction. "'Indeed, his active mind jumped at once to the conclusion "'that the sailors must be a kicking mode of warfare. "'But he was too much amazed to make any rejoinder. "'Now, my boy, I'm going this way.' "'So I'll bid you good day,' said Billy. Jackie informed him that he was going the same way, having only been taking a stroll, and would willingly go back, whereupon Billy put his arm round his shoulder, as boys are wont to do, and Jackie grasped Billy round the waist, and thus they wandered home together. "'I say, you're a funny chap,' observed the young sailor, in a comic vein, as they went along. "'So are you.' replied Jackie, with intense gravity, being deeply serious. Billy laughed, but as the two friends at that moment emerged from the pass and came in sight of the White House, the laugh was suddenly checked and was followed by a sound that was not unlike choking. Jackie looked up in alarm and was surprised to see tears hopping over his companion's brown cheeks. To find a lad who would put a giant to flight was wonderful enough, but to find one who could cry without any reason at all was beyond belief jacky looked perplexed and said i say what's the matter oh nothing only this is my old home and my scrimmage with that villain has made me come plump on it without thinking i was born here i know every stone and bush i-i there's the old he joked again at this point and jacky whose mind was only opening stood looking on in silent wonder "'My old granny lives there. Old Moggy!' The expression of Jackie's face caused Billy to stop. "'Why, what's wrong, boy? Is is uh, old Moggy your granny?' cried Jackie, eagerly, stumbling over his words as if he had come upon stepping stones in the dark. "'Hey, what, then?' "'Hey, I know her. Do you, my boy?' Yeah, "'Yes, she, she's dying.' The result of this remark was that the sailor boy turned deadly pale and stared at his little friend without being able to utter a word mere human nature taught jacky that he had made a mistake in being so precipitate but home education had not taught him to consider the feelings of others he felt inclined to comfort his new friend but knew not how to do it at last a happy thought occurred to him and he exclaimed eagerly "But, but but she she's not dead yet she live in the same cottage asked the boy in a low husky voice not considering that his companion could not know what cottage she had occupied in former days jacky also ignoring this fact nodded his head violently being past speech with excitement and pointed in the direction of the hut. Without another word, Billy, more correctly speaking Willie, at once took to his heels and was followed by Jackie as fast as his short legs could carry him. Flora Macdonald was administering a glass of hot wine and water to her patient when the door was quickly yet gently opened and a sailor lad sprang into the room fell on his knees beside the lowly couch seized the old woman's hand gazed for a few seconds into her withered face and then murmuring granny it's me laid his head on her shoulder and burst into tears flora gently drew the boy away willie is it possible can it be you is she dying said willie looking up in flora's face with an expression of agony i trust not dear boy but the doctor says she is very ill and must be kept quiet for To we wi the doctor he's rang cried old moggy suddenly raising herself with great energy on one elbow don't a see ma an willie there as i've seen him in my dreams money and money a night flora grasped willie's arm to prevent his running towards her and pointed to jacky who had at that moment entered the room and was at once recognized by mungie hey, eh little did i think when i see yes, yestreen they will be done that he would send my ann laddie back again she folded jackie who had gone to the bedside in her arms and was with difficulty prevailed on to let him go it was quite evident that her mind was wandering the effect of this little episode on willie was powerful and twofold a pang of jealousy at first shot through his heart like a flash of lightning but when he perceived that the loving embrace was meant for his old self he broke down and the tears once more tumbled over his brown cheeks she cannot recognize you just now dear willie said flora deeply touched by the sorrow of the lad and even if she could fear it would do her harm by exciting her too much come my poor fellow "'leading him softly to the door. "'I am just going up to visit a kind English family, "'where they will be only too glad to put you up "'until it is safe to let her know that you have returned.' "'But she may die, and never know that I have returned,' said Willie, "'almost passionately, as he hung back. "'She is in God's loving hands, Willie. "'Can I not stay and help you to nurse her?' asked the boy in pitiful tones flora shook her head and Willie meekly suffered himself to be led out of the hut this then was the home-coming that he had longed for so intensely and he had dreamed of so often when far away upon the sea no sooner was he in the open air than he burst away from flora without a word and ran off at full speed in the direction of the pass first he simply sought to obtain relief to his feelings by means of violent muscular exercise the burning brain and throbbing heart was unbearable he would have given the world for the tears that flowed so easily a short time before but they would not now come running leaping bounding madly over the rough hillside that gave him some relief so he held on through bush and brake over heathery knoll and peat swamp until the hut was far behind him suddenly his encounter with a gypsy occurred to him the thought that he was the original cause of all this misery roused a torrent of indignation within him and he resolved that the man should not escape his wild race was no longer without purpose now he no longer sprang into the air and bounded from rock to rock like a little goat but coursing down the bed of a mountain torrent came out upon the road and did not halt until he was in front of the constabulary station hello laddie what's rang?" cried a blue-coated official whose language betokened him a lowland scot i've seen him come with me quick i'll take you to his whereabouts gasped willie seen way, inquired the man with slow deliberation the gypsy growler who stole me and would have murdered me this morning if he could have caught me but quick please get off if you don't look alive the earnestness and fervour of the lad had the effect of exciting even the constable's pragmatic nature so after a short conversation he summoned a comrade and set off for the pass at a round trot led by willie do you think it's lakey hill ken you've come here to tell on him inquired the constable as they ran i said i would have, have him nabbed replied the boy hoot mon that was near Ways like, but after i ye ear on ony a bairn here, em ye'd better gang up by the stank burn and i'll keep a look oot o the hills and i'll start em thus advised the second constable a diverged to the right and plunging into the wood was instantly out of sight Soon afterwards, Willie came to the place where he had met the gypsy. Here, a consultation was held as to where the booth might probably be. He jumped over the wall here, said Willie, and I'm sure he took the hill in this direction at first. e laddie, but chills o his dumb, never going gang straight to their mark. We'll follow him up this way. How long is ye purted William? said e examining the place where the gypsy had entered the copse willie returned no answer the unusual amount of fatigue and the terrible mental excitement which he had undergone that day were too much for him a feeling of deadly sickness came suddenly on him and when the constable looked around, he was lying on the road in a swoon this unexpected incident compelled the man to abandon further pursuit for the time giving utterance to a pure laddie he raised the boy in his arms and carried him to the nearest hut which happened to be that of old moggy no one was there but the young woman who acted as nurse to the invalid it chanced that moggy had had a sleep and she awoke with her mental faculties much cleared when the constable entered and laid willie on a mat not far from her bed the old woman gazed long and earnestly in the boy's face and seemed much troubled and perplexed while the nurse applied water to his temples at once willie opened his eyes moggy at once recognized him she strove eagerly to reach her long-lost child and willie jumping up sprang to her side but ere they met she raised both arms in the air and uttering a long piercing cry fell back insensible upon the bed End of chapter 20.